everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. I'm your host, John, and with me as always, co-host Jeff. Oh, now I'm a co-host. Last time I was just some fucking guy or something. Yeah, well, you know, good behavior. (laughs) Hooray, I've been a good boy. You've been a good boy, and this is your treat. (laughs) Well, I'm also here. We randomly watch the movies that you ask of us, and this time around, uh, I rolled up Aragon, which is bad. Worse than I I figured. Oh yeah, way worse. Because this Mm -hmm. came out uh, in 2006, Mm -hmm. and I remember when it came out being like, uh, I've never heard of the book, and I don't really give a shit, and you know, I never really cared to go see it. But I was also like, it didn't seem like this was going to be awful or anything. It just sort of fell off of anything that I would care about. It was just, all right, that's a thing that it's... I mean, I had heard of it because I knew enough about young adult fiction to know that this the the thing that made this book series and movie notorious was that it was written by a teenager and then also was a young adult thing for other teenagers. Like the, the kid who wrote it was like 15 or 16 when the books were published. Oh, okay. So that, I mean... It shows. It's almost like he made the entire movie. Almost. But uh, but that was kind of the gimmick behind them, was that this was this was a story by a teenager for teenagers uh, that I, I guess it was 2006. Harry Potter was in full full swing. People were just fucking hungry for young adult whatever. And shit like this and Percy Jackson, the lightning thief, had their chi- time to shine. Yeah. And oh, good Lord, this is... I mean, we're gonna go ahead and get into the full, in-depth spoiler review of this, but man, just surface level, this feels real cheap. Like, the movie itself, if you took a filter and just made this slightly orange-tinted and grainier, I'd be like, oh, this is obviously something that was made in, like, the early 80s. Yeah, I can see that, too. Also, I gotta say, bold move to pull jeremy irons back from the year 2000 and be like here talk to fake dragons again buddy oh that, god th- that worked so well in, in dungeons and dragons that we just had to have you back to do it all again it's real sad to me that there's a bit where jeremy irons was like oh but i thought this was gonna be much better handled and i'm like <laughs> "Ooh, baby you done goofed it's like he got on set and was just like yeah no i i know what i'm doing where's thora birch i gotta say hi because <laughs> this is I mean, they had six years to get better at making movies between Dungeons and Dragons and this, and they did not. They they t- they took none of the lessons of the ensuing years of filmmaking. Oh yes, this learned nothing, and in fact, it feels so amateurish as well. It's basically like someone watched Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and went, "I could probably do that." <laughs> and had yeah. never made a movie before. Uh, it's got a lot of hallmarks that I would I would normally assign to like an Uwe Ball movie, where you've got all these like introducing characters for three minutes, uh, the main character being deeply aggressively unlikable. Oh vil- my god! The villain yes. being someone you've heard of, but there's no way they're going to interact with anyone else in the entire movie. They film their entire scene in a day. Uh, also, wow, this movie was very, very certain that they were getting sequels. Yeah, that's what, when you messaged me to do it, and I, I went and watched it first, and I, the, the first thing I said back was, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with this much misplaced confidence that they're going to get another one. Oh my god, just 
the amount of setups that will never be resolved because this movie, I mean, it didn't flop. That's the weird thing to me is it had a budget of like a hundred million and it made like 250 million back. Mm -hmm. So it was fine. Uh, but like, yeah, it just critically was like, Hey, this is, uh, this is bad. Real, real bad. And they went, you know what? Let's not. Well, it's, it's because there was a glut of these things. You had They had to be unbelievable instant successes in order to get that next movie, and most of them weren't. I mean, you had shit like what? Uh, you, you remember that The Dark is Rising movie they made around this time? That, that You know the Dark is Rising series, the good books? And they I made don't. It, oh, well, they're very good books about a bunch of British kids who have to solve weird, very British historical uh, magic mysteries about like the darkness and stuff. The band, the darkness. Yeah, um, obviously. But they made a movie right around this time called The Seeker, The Dark is Rising, and made it star an American kid who skateboarded. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much, we, we were in the, the realm where they were like, ah, fuck it, just throw shit at the walls. You had this shit, and per, like I mentioned, Percy Jackson, you had uh, fucking Inkheart, and uh, the, that attempt at the Golden Compass came and went. There's These movies didn't balloon into ultra success immediately. They usually didn't get the second one. Man. Yeah. It was a, it was a rough time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of fine actors signed up for these and then were disappointed <laughs> because they looked ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Poor Damon Hansu in this movie. I've I've never seen him look so sad to be in a movie. Oh my god. Most of the big name actors really just look like they got on set and realized what was happening and went, all right. <laughs> uh, literally, Robert Carlyle plays... He's not He's not the main villain of the series, but he's the main villain of this film, which means... It, he's de facto the main villain of the series. He, You can see stopwatches in his eyes counting down the amount of days of filming he has to do. <laughs> like, every shot of him, you can see in his eyes, when I, okay, three hours until I can have a beer. Two hours and 59 minutes until I can have a beer. Because <laughs> he looks uh. ridiculous. Anyway, it's garbage. It's just awful garbage with literally no redeeming features at all. Great. So we're going to go ahead and play a little music. We will be right back with our full in-depth review of Aragon. All right. It is now time to actually discuss the many and varied plot points of Aragon, such as this they goddamn are. movie. <laughs> oh this, my god! This movie is so much. <laughs> well, we might as well start where it starts, which is I want to say what eleven or twelve minutes of boring narration about forgettable names. Oh my god! They they were like, well, we have no way of really, I don't know, introducing this in a way that would make sense for, like, an exposition dump from a person. So we're just gonna have a guy show up and be like, okay, here's, here's the world. This is this is the name of all the dumb bullshit in it. These are, these are all the people, and this is our dumb made-up name for our dumb made-up bullshit. Here you go. Yeah, so there, we, we established that this is the kingdom of a Allegasia, uh, oh, yeah. And that there is a king ruling it who is an evil king who is, was a dragon rider himself. And dragon rider is a whole mystical. You, you've fucking read Pern novels. You know what it is. It's the same shit. It's just a 15 year old stole it. 
Yeah, it's um, just there There was an age where there were dragon riders, and it was so dope. And then one of the dragon riders managed to kill every single one of the other ones somehow. Yeah, and, and I got to throw some credit to this movie being in 2006 because they weren't had the the, uh, the cop aganda in the beginning of this movie is strong, but it's just because it was 2006 and they didn't know better. Because it starts with this whole thing where it's like, Long ago, powerful individual men ruled by the might of their own power and dragons that they had. Luckily, they were all good guys, according to the only power in the land, them. And then one of them killed everybody. I guess it was just a bad apple. Ah, uh, And we get just terrible CGI of a dragon's first person view of a person riding a dragon. So it looks like they're just playing Panzer Dragoon. Ah, Yeah, Uh, the... the Evil King takes over. His name is Galbatorix. Yeah, yeah, he's and, a minor Asterix character. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if if you have a severe case of allegasia, ask your doctor if Galbatorix is right for you. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the newest subspecies of Spinosaur that's been discovered. Spinosaurus Galbatorix, uh, so named because it pl- it's played by John Malkovich and sucks. Oh, John Malkovich, you were on set for maybe a day and the second they put you in the outfit they put you in, you were like, oh, no. No. All right. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, I, I guarantee you every time he was not on camera, he was on the phone trying to get out of this. <laughs> Come on. I'm John Malkovich. Don't make me do this. Please, please tell him I'm sick. Huh? Release a scandal that makes me look racist. Anything that gets it so that I'm not in this movie. Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway. I just... The the narration in this is wonderful just because I kept thinking it was over uh, right? and then it would keep going. It it's was like-, like the end of Lord of the Rings. I was just like, oh, okay, you told me that there were dragon riders and someone killed them and now he's king. Oh, and then there was a, a rebellion. And you're like, oh, okay. And yeah. then there was, and I'm like, oh, please, for the love of God. And then there's like scenes that happen. There's scenes with dialogue. And then when they end, he, he comes back in. He's like, and this is when this began happening. And you're like, oh, for fucks. Is this going to be the whole movie? Is this like the first Ewoks movie? <laughs> but it's just like 12 minutes of some narrator j- blindly explaining the the story of this exceptionally boring medieval world they keep setting up neat shit that you're never gonna see so don't worry about it they're like ah rebellion has fomented amongst the varden yes because varden by the way are just what they call like some humans who live on this one mountain but also among the elves and dwarves and you're like oh neat are we gonna see those no I mean, you'll see okay. an elf, but guess what? She looks like a lady. I was going to say, the first main character we actually see is Arya, that is an elf, apparently, that I did not know until I opened up the Wikipedia for this movie before recording, oh, because that... I had no idea. There's a point where they say that she's the princess among uh, of the Kingdom of Elves. Oh, really? Yeah. Because... I heard that she was like the princess of Elizmira, and I I just went, oh, okay, that's a place. Yeah, <laughs> sure it is. Why not? Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna fault a fantasy movie for having fantasy locations in it. Don't don't think that's what we're doing here. What I'm saying is this is all presented very blandly, and it's all very boring, and there's just too much of it. Especially given how many of these characters are never actually going to be in the movie. They keep being like, yes, Galbatorix went and killed everybody because of the might of his powerful dragon. And that's John Malkovich, and he's in the movie, but all he ever does is menace Robert Carlyle. 
He's um, like, hey, uh, Rumpelstiltskin, go find my egg. Yeah. Yeah. And then also a bunch of shit where uh, they're like, ah, and Marzen or Marlap or whatever was another one of his powerful lieutenants. You're never going to meet him, but his son's in the movie. <laughs> Uh, uh, when it uh, when it's finally over, the story has begun because our elf princess has escaped with an egg rock, and right as Robert Carlyle, as the evil wizard Durza, uh, is about to kill her or take the egg or something, she teleports it to the nearest person. Yeah, she just sends this egg somewhere, and it happens to be right next to Aragon, the world's least likable protagonist. <sighs> you know, I don't tend to like a lot of movie protagonists in the line of work that you and I are in, because we watch a lot of movies from the 70s and so on. We're being just a real self-entitled racist. He's not racist, but a real self-entitled piece of shit is like lauded and rewarded. But that was just the style at the time. But this movie's from 2006. This guy never once does anything other than be a selfish irritating piece of crap and i don't understand how he's your main character oh yeah i was just like okay he's got to get i don't know better or redeemed or learn a lesson at some point nope, because he... he starts out extremely luke skywalkery and yeah. stays that way and basically worse yeah he gets a little worse than luke skywalker as, as the and he is the actor ed spielers who don't think has ever worked again oh yeah i'm kidding he's in a lot of shit <laughs> he's uh oh baby he's a downton abbey guy but when he uh shows up in this one he just looks like the derpiest motherfucker i've ever seen in my life mm -hmm. and acts that way as well yes no that's absolutely true he is he is a ham-faced gammon of a kid he's like He's like if teenagers could be publicans. It's just, he's not appealing. It's not great. And uh, Also, not great at the whole acting thing. One, his ability to emote is awful. Like, every time they have to do a close-up of him where he's, like, giving a facial reaction to something, I'm like, please stop. You obviously have no idea what you look like right now. <laughs> and kind of mush-mouthed, because I could not tell a single one of the fantasy words that he was saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a real problem, too, because he, there's a lot of shit in this where he has to, spay, to say ludicrous fantasy words, and they all just kind of sound like, and Thithwell, and he's okay, I get it. I guess maybe Elvish is too complicated for human ears. Can we mention that real quick? The, the magic language in this movie, the, the, the way that they cast magic, is words in the elven language are apparently magical, but magic itself, you have to have a dragon to have some magic. So that's got to be really irritating to these elves that all these human dragon riders can use their language to cast magic, but they can't. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, I don't know, if you're casting magic using Latin. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like that. Except that it'd be like if you could cast magic using Latin, but people from parts of the world where Latin was spoken cannot. Oh, yeah. So it'd be like if I had the magic power of Spanish speaking spells, but I was and I was the only person in the world that did. I mean, we do get the only elf that we see in this. Arya does have magic. I never. So maybe all elves do. Did, I, did she cast any? I, yeah, I guess she teleported that shit. Okay, she, she did well, teleport I mean, stuff once. There is 
there are points where I have no idea what is going on with Arya and her specific steez because like Aragon gets this egg and like they Durza captures Arya instead of just murdering. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's weird. Why would you do that? And then he's like, ooh, I'm going to try and use your brain to find out where you sent the egg. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I, I guess. Okay, sure. Right. But then he does and is like, and now to keep you alive. <laughs> yeah. No, the the plot revolving be, or between our Aragon main character and the erstwhile presumably love interest, like over the, if, if this movie got three sequels, uh, Arya makes no sense in the beginning because there's a point where all it is is that Durza uses a spell to inflict a dream on Aragon that's just like, I'm Arya, the princess of elves. I'm trapped. Come rescue me. We've never met. Uh, and he's just like, I have to rescue her immediately. It's the only thing in the world that matters. And you're like, what? What do you, you never, you've never met. You, you're, you two characters have never met. I, I just, I can't stress this enough. Uh, you just had a weird dream. And now you're like, I have to go. Yeah. Follow me if you want, Jeremy girl. Irons. You'll definitely die if you do. Okay. So uh. basically he finds the rock while he's out hunting. Uh, and then he tries to trade the egg rock for some like goat meat and which Jesus Christ, this is a like baby sized iridescent blue, what he thinks is rock. And I would be like, you know, you'd probably get a decent price for that selling it to someone that actually gives a shit about it rather than say going, Hey butcher, take this big old rock and give me some meat. Yeah, his first plan was just to trade it for, like, a steak. And then the butcher finds out that he found it on King's Land, and he's like, nope, get out of my get out of my building. Get out of here, you dumbass idiot. And that's pretty much that. Uh, then he goes home and gets in a sword fight with his cousin. Uh, what was his name? Murtaugh? I don't. I, wanna say, I do not know. I think it was Murtaugh. I think that's Garrett Hedlund's character. Who And the two of them have this heartfelt fight and conversation where Murtaugh's like, I'm going to leave before I get recruited and forced to die in the King's armies. I'm going to take off out of here and you and I will find each other again someday. I swear it. I'm very important to this franchise. Uh, adoptive uncle who raised us. I love you. I'll miss you forever. Let's have a long conversation. And now I shall leave the franchise forever. I wasted a third of this movie. (laughs) Oh my god, the amount of time given over to this cousin who, by the way, looks exactly like Aragon. And when they were fighting, I was like, I can't tell which one of you is which. You're <laughs> two mop-headed white boys that look exactly the same, and I don't know what's going on. Well, okay, we gotta talk briefly about the aesthetic of this movie. Well, I mentioned Uwe Ball earlier for a good reason. This is This is one of those movies where it's... You know, oh, it was the Middle Ages and the peasants were all filthy and had shit smeared on their faces. What, what? And everything was made out of dirt and shit and piss and shit and dirt. So you've got, <laughs> like, the the blue filter applied to a little crappy log town, so everything looks extra gross and muddy. And it, it feels like the, that shit should have stopped in mid-budget films after Lord of the Rings. Uh, like, after Lord of the Rings, they set the standard. They were like, it's got to look like Hobbiton or better. You got to do... it. You can't just do this dirty peasant Bonnie Python shenanigan anymore. And what it means is that both of our, our main characters, such as they are for the first portion of the movie, have bull cuts and shit on their faces and are identical. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, like you said, this movie spends 
a lot of time on this heartfelt goodbye and the plot with this cousin that, you know, goes nowhere. It's this huge long goodbye between the uncle character, who's going to die three minutes from now, and this uh, this cousin who is walking out of the film and presumably was going to be a big deal later. Who could ever possibly know? Uh, oh, yeah. I assume in, I don't know, whatever the second story is, he shows up, I don't know, among the Varden or something. Yeah. He's a good guy or he's a bad guy or something. Who cares? Maybe he has another dragon. Um, <laughs> but we start seeing some of the machinations of the evil wizard at this point. He sends out what are definitely not Dark Riders. Don't don't think that they're like uh, the Dark Riders from Lord of the Rings. They're something else. No, they're bugs. Well, they're, they're like, bug guys. They're specifically they look exactly like the Geiss from the Wrath of the Lich King expansion of World of Warcraft, where they have well, like the bag over their head with one eye hole in it. Yeah, but they're also just like dirt and worms and bugs and stuff. Yeah, if you ever got a good look at them, I got the impression they'd be neat and cool, but they never do. They just. Like, you can see stuff dripping off them in the background. Oh, and, yeah. And They're in the dark a lot, and they are the Razak. And I gotta say, they're probably the coolest thing in this movie, because eventually they give up on Razak and switch to using ogres, and ogres are just muscly guys with face paint and dumb expressions. And also, they are uh, not called ogres. They are, like, ergles? <laughs> Okay, that's just more mush mouth getting into my into my brain then, because I could I could have sworn everybody kept calling them the ogres. Oh, I kept thinking he was calling them burgles. <laughs> I was like, ah, yes, the burgles. Go get them, burgles. Take the ergles with you. <laughs> but well, the ergles are <laughs> just you know some guys. They're just some fucking guys. Everything in this movie is just some fucking guys. Anyway, these Razak bug things murder their way through town trying to find the boy, uh, but while they're off looking for him, the egg hatches, and now there is a tiny little dragon around. Yeah, and, and the dragon is get... a cool effect until it gets big. I absolutely love that there's like, oh, it's a little dragon, and then like we show a couple days later, and it's gone from being like the size of a chihuahua to being the size of like a corgi and then it he teaches it to fly by running around with it until it flaps away and then it turns into a full-size dragon immediately there was a chance right there for this movie to redeem itself because when he throws the dragon into the sky it, it she just flies off and there's a point where it zooms in and i'm like oh shit i just threw my dragon out and she flew away why didn't i realize that was going to happen and if at that point if on his sad face he's like oh crap that dragon's not coming back if they just cut to credits that would have been fine ah, or just, just cut to the dragon going to someone likable <laughs> any other person hi there would you like to <laughs> i hatched near a dud but no, she gets struck by lightning a few times and lands as a full-grown adult dragon, voiced by Rachel Weiss. Yep, and now they can hear each other's thoughts, which, man, if you're a dragon and you're like, oh no, I can hear the thoughts of a 16-year-old, ooh, this is bad. And they're the only thoughts you can hear. You can hear his thoughts, but she speaks, or she understands English, and so when other people talk near her, she can hear them anyway. And she's often thinking wisecracky thoughts at them, like some sort of big blue Garfield. Yes. So, anyone time anyone's like, that's an okay dragon, I suppose. She's like, you're lucky I don't eat you here. And he's like, okay, I get it. I, I This dragon's got jokes, I guess. <laughs> this dragon has opinions and sass. So now and he, the he, dragon is Safira. You know, where you get all your makeup from. It's Safira, you know, the boss of of one of the main uh, main 
raids in Wrath of the Lich King. I'm not. I don't remember when Wrath of the Lich King came out, but if it was 2005, I would not be surprised. Ah. Uh. But uh, yeah. At this point, he I hears mean, a uh a random guy, Brom. That's his name. In the town, start talking about dragons and stuff, and he's like, "Ooh, that's a thing. I should." <laughs> I'm sorry. I should find out more. I just remember that because what happens is that there's like two dinner tables in this dingy shit tavern and Braum is like this homeless drifter dude who's got nothing. So he's just standing there with like an empty cup at the at the regular folks table and nearby to them is the soldier people's table. And Braum gets all worked up and starts talking about the olden days when men were men and dragons were around. And and yeah, the Aragon gets excited about this. And then some soldiers come over and are like, oi. You stop talking like that, or I'll run you through, I will. And Aragon just goes, no, let him finish. Let him keep talking. And instead of just being like, what? Fuck you, child. No. And, you know, (laughs) hitting him. They're like, all right. (laughs) Well, I guess. Don't see why not. I wanted to shut (laughs) him up, but this teenager says otherwise, huh? Oh, God. And this is going to spark him to essentially break into Brom's house to figure out what this guy knows about dragons. But oops, while he's breaking into Brom's house, the fucking bug guys, the Razak, go to his house and just straight up murder Uncle Owen and... Aunt Baru, yeah. Uh... When he gets back, he's like, this is all your fault, a dragon. Yeah, because the dragon (laughs) tries to pick him up. What? The dragon just flies down and picks him up while he's running along. And... (laughs) <laughs> she's like no you don't understand they're definitely coming to kill you and he's like just put me down put me down i would like to be put down please put me down i request that you put me down and the whole time she's thinking at him like no everybody at your farm is already dead there's monsters there please don't make me ki- have you killed if you die i die oh by the way that's a rule if if he dies she dies but if she dies he does not yeah, it's a real shit situation being a dragon in this world. Yeah, pretty much. You'd think that if you were a dragon, you'd just be like, all right, I'm going to catch my dragon rider. I'm going to haul him up to a cave somewhere, and he's going to live out a rich, full life eating rabbits I bring him, because fuck having a random phylactery running around that I didn't ask for. Yeah, a random, squishy, easily murdered phylactery. So uh, anyway... When he when she finally drops him in a hay bale, he runs over, and sure enough, everyone's dead. And he gets so mad about this, because he's pretty sure that if he had just been allowed to run the several miles to his parents' or to his uncle's farm, he would have made it in time to beat up a bunch of monsters. Yep. This kid is so certain that because he would scrap with his cousin occasionally, that he is an ultra badass. Right. He's like, I would have I taken him on. I would have murdered him if it wasn't for you. And she's like, nah, you'd die. You're very stupid. Anyway, he literally tries to banish her, and she's like, fine, I'll fly away, whatever, I don't care. And that's when Brom shows back up and notices that the kid has a special scar on his hand. The spe- You know how important kids get special scars? Yeah, he touched the dragon when it was born, and it zapped him and gave him a special scar. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's a horcrux. And, uh... So when Brom sees that, he's like, ah, you're a dragon rider. Great. Come with me. We need to ride along. I will never explain anything. I'll just keep telling you we have to go. Uh, And you'll keep uh, saying, I don't want to. I want to fight monsters. And we will go on like this for, oh, until I die. (laughs) The, uh, one of the weirdest things for me is, why, where were the Razak during this? Like, they found out, oh, hey, the, uh, 
the kid with the egg is this guy. He lives here. They went there, didn't find him. And instead of waiting for him to come back, we're like, oh, well, we killed some guy. Let's just fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, I assume that maybe they need to go do bug stuff for a certain portion of each of their days. They were like, well, you know, our entire purpose, we were made to find this kid and kill him. But, uh, you know, I didn't find him immediately, so I guess... I guess drinks are on me. Well, they were up waiting for him to ambush him in the actual house and not in the barn. And they saw him go into the barn, but they just kept trying to run out through the windows because they're bug people. So they just kept smacking into the windows in the house. And that was how he eventually escaped. Uh, anyway, God damn it. I, that they now ride for three days straight to get to some riverhead where they have to train transfer by stopping at a town and then going into a mountain. The goal is to get to the Varden because this dragon rider is the last civilized hope to stop King Galbatorix. Yeah, and the Varden are just sort of any human that didn't submit to Galbatorix's rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> they live on one specific mountain, and yet they have no idea where they are, do the bad guys. Right. <laughs> so... Now, three days ride, and when they finally finish riding, the, the the two characters clearly have not had any conversations the entire time. Because when they finally get there, the kid's just like, why wouldn't you let me fight those monsters? What are you saying? I'm a dragon rider. What's that even mean? And you gotta be like, what were you guys fucking doing? You spent three days just in silence? Did you did you stop and go to bed at night? Did you not talk then? What What is this? Uh, I. It's so weird, because there's... A point where they see some some burgles like harassing a uh like a merchant train. Oh god, that was great. And Aragon's like, ooh, I'm gonna go murder them all. And Brahm's like, you're a goddamned moron. There's like 15 of them down there, and they all actually know how to fight, and you're a dumb piece of shit. And he's like, Oh, but I've scrapped with my cousin. He's like, okay, come with me. We're, yeah. I'm going to give you a stick and see if you can do anything. I, this is my favorite thing about this is that, okay, we, we come across some Urgles and there's they're straight up like robbing and killing a caravan of people. And our main characters go off to have a play fight in a ditch. Yep. Instead of being like, no, you can't take them on by yourself. Let me and your dragon do it. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, fuck these guys. I got to go uh, stick fight with you to prove a point. That you're shitty and bad. Yep. And I'm like, movie? I knew. (laughs) We all knew. And this isn't a great way to set it up. This feels like you cut a bunch of scenes. (laughs) Because we go right from, you think you can fight, do you? Yes, to, okay, well, now we're not on a cliffside anymore. We're miles away at some river, and we're going to have a little brawl. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to just absolutely clown on you, and this will teach you nothing. Yeah, notably, there's not a point where Braum is like, okay, did you learn anything from this? Here's how you hold swords. Let's have a lesson. He's just like, I'm going to kick your ass. It also didn't teach him the lesson of you aren't good at fighting. Don't keep trying to do this. Nope. Because he will now spend every other encounter being like, oh, well, I should definitely fight these guys. Yeah. No, he's this kid is just awful. He's he, the, the only growth he has in the film, as far as I can tell, is just free power from the fact that he has a dragon and that spells are apparently very easy to cast. Oh, yeah. And, of course, uh, the fact that he is your standard 
white guy chosen one means that he just spends the entire film with everyone being like, you're so important. We need you so much. Your life is worth more than anyone else's life. And you're so special and you can do things no one else can do. And, oh, man, you're so great. You're so novel. <laughs> Leave me to die. The only thing that matters is you is pretty much the theme of this film. And he's like, no, I understand. Obviously, I am. But I'm going to, you know, also put my life at risk because I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's more or less. He's just a moron throughout the entire film. Uh, at this point, he got really scared the first time that Safira picked him up and flew him around. So he's like, I'll never ride my dragon. I refuse being a dragon rider. I'll go with you. But it's so I can fight on my own terms. I'll never ride a dragon again. Ugh. And then, of course, of course, he has to learn to ride the dragon. I mean, also, it helps that the first time that he did it, it was just, hey, get on my back and I'm going to fly around real fast. And he was like, nope, I have no idea how to ride you. Yeah, and then the second time they were like, here's a saddle. And he's like, oh, this is way easier now. I love that they were just like, you can thank Braum for the saddle. And I, I had to be like, okay, what did he make it? Is that what he's been doing instead of explaining shit to you for the past three days? How did the dragon show up fully saddled and we're just like, you can thank Braum, who... Oh, well, this is because it, it was after they went to a village that was a... I mean, it really looked like Braum was soliciting for some sex from right. some guy randomly. And then Aragon is supposed to find some bread and instead goes to a fortune teller who's like, hey, what up? Uh, You're special and cool but death is coming anyway uh that'll be five bucks <laughs> yeah basically he she catches him and she's got a hilarious kind of method of speaking uh she's just like alexandria shall read your fortune and he's like i don't have any money did alexandria ask for money um and and then i think the, the idea was that she was gonna like work i think it's just angela too but the, but the basic thing was that she was gonna like mug him with a partner no uh, is that not what happened? I could have sworn because when he when he came, you know what? Never mind. It's not important. He just hangs around talking to a fortune teller. Oh yeah, no. This is I assume something important from the book that they were like. Oh, I guess we have to put this in here, but uh, it's mostly just her going. Hey, you know how this film could have used exposition at the start instead of narration? Uh, that's what my job should have been. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess that means that Brom bought a dragon saddle, which. You gotta assume there's I not guess. a huge market for at this point, what with them supposedly being extinct. But what are you gonna do, right? Oh yeah. And then of course they get attacked by some Urgles in the village, and Aragon attempts to mimic a spell that he overheard Brom use to create fire, so he shoots an arrow and yells Bazinga. Yeah, I can't remember what he actually I think it's like Razinga or Razaga or something like that. <sighs> but it sounds like Bazinga. Bazinga. And given that Bazinga is the term for fire in this in this movie, you can bet they're saying it a lot. Oh my god. The amount of times and it's I mean, it's not technically Bazinga. No, it's Razinga. It's like, no, it's Brazinger. Oh, it's Brazinger? Jesus, I could have sworn it started with an R. Every the sound mix in this must have been atrocious. Oh yeah. I mean, again, this is very much some mushmouth nonsense where I heard clear as day bazinga and when i looked it up i was like oh it's brazinger like a braz brazier mm -hmm. uh, but brazinga and 
And he learns a few spells after this, because basically Braum has enough residual magic left in him. Uh, spoiler alert, he used to be a dragon rider, and his dragon is dead now. We we will learn that later in the movie. But he has enough residual magic to kind of help him create little fires. But yeah. but our, our, uh, our hero, uh, because he has an alive dragon, when he casts the spell, it like sets off a whole fucking bomb and blows a bunch of these poor urgles into the water. And it also makes him pass out because we learn that magic is taxing to use and it's all dependent on the inner strength of the caster. So, you know, you might cast a spell and get tired or you might cast a spell and it kills you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And you have no way of knowing. It's a completely a confidence game. And it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't fully know if magic in this is supposed to be like interpretive of intent because you just say a word for something and then something related to that happens. Yes, because when he learns some spells, his the spells he learns are 100% him seeing random shit around him and asking how to say it. So he's, he's just like, what's the word for branch? What's the uh, word for branch? Levitrier. Yeah. What's the word for tree? Uh, tree a thuck. Yeah. <laughs> Great, cool. That's all the spells I'll ever need to know. Time to ride dragons. This movie's got to keep going. Go, go, go. We have 50 more characters to introduce. But, like, when he uses even Bazinga, it's just fire erupts from an arrow that I shot rather than, like, I make something catch fire. And when he uses the spell for branch, it causes a branch to reach down and, like, grab a bad guy that's coming after him. And I just have to wonder, is this... Like, could I say branch and have it do different things? <laughs> I assume it does whatever you meant, because there's a whole speech that Jeremy Irons has to deliver about how elven words are important and special, because in elven, the word is the thing, and the thing is the word. Ah, great. Cool. And John, have you heard about the bird? Eh, well, everybody's heard about the bird. Okay. Well, anyway, he, he learns a couple spells, but then it's time to ride a dragon, and basically... This is fucking Falcor shit, where it's just him being rewarded for being a little turd because he gets on a dragon and he's just like, woo, yay, I'm flying a dragon. I'm doing it. And she keeps like giving him instructions like you have to lean. You have to lean into this one. And I'm like, lady, you weigh 900 pounds. You do not need him to do anything. <laughs> you don't need to let him I mean, think he's relevant to this process. The other thing is she immediately is like, all right, let's open this bitch up and see what she can do. And... I'm like, your entire existence is currently riding on your back, and if he falls to his death, you die. And yet you're like, teehee, I think it's funny you're about to fall off of me. Yeah. So, uh, he learns to fly at this point, and then they have this whole conversation about how, at some point, he'll even be, he'll be able to fight at it, standing at any part of the dragon, wherever he wants to, even the tail. Which and You're like, oh, well, okay. I can't wait till that shows up. It won't. <laughs> Oh, it does. Oh, she uses her tail to shoot him at the bad guy. Yes, but he is standing on the tail. Yeah, but he doesn't do any fighting back there. He just goes back there and she catapults him at, at Robert Carlyle. That's that's where I assume that in a future movie he'll have a tail sword fight. I don't know. Probably when he fights Galbatorix, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Now he knows how to fly the dragon and, and Brahm's riding the horses and, and Brahm's about to get attacked by two of those... Kanak, Karax, Krazax, Razak, two of them Razaks, when uh, our hero swoops in against everybody's interests and gets hurt and gets everybody else hurt. 
Like, uh, like Brom's like, I can handle a couple of these things. This is the big deal. Please do not land. Please do not come down here. Stay away from these guys. I will fight them. And he's like, no, I'm an idiot. <laughs> he jumps down. Fuck you, dad. Gets hurt. Uh, the the dragon crashes and gets hurt. Everybody gets oh, yeah. hurt. Because <laughs> he manages to get knocked off the dragon by a Razak, like, jumping out of a tree and knocking him out. And so because he gets thrown to the ground, the bond makes the dragon then just fall to the ground and roll around like he does. And you're like, ah, oh, good. Everyone's fucked. You're, you're the worst. Yeah. No, it's fucking, in, in, it, it, this character sucks so much. They, they fight and then they have to learn about how you heal dragon wings and the importance of the bond of dragons again. Or and we, you know, we probably ought to mention that every 10 minutes in this movie, we cut to one of the villains killing a lesser villain. Uh, just in case yeah. you were worried about whether or not that was happening, uh, it's usually Robert Carlyle getting mad at Razax or Burgles and murdering one of them and then being like, you, you're in charge. But every once in a while, instead, it's John Malkovich threatening Robert Carlyle or Galbatorix yeah. threatening Durza. But that's the only thing that the villains ever actually do when we cut to them is just be like, you have failed me. Yeah, like, oh, I'm evil and you can tell because I'm unnecessarily killing guys. So, so, yeah, that happens a now, lot. Uh, Brom at this point reveals that he has a magic dragon killing sword that he took from a rogue dragon rider that was allied with Galbatorix. And for some reason, he's super guilty about murdering, uh, this guy Morzan. Yeah. And I he's like, oh, because of me, the the last of the dragon riders died. And I'm like, no, the last of the dragon riders is still around, Galbatorix, and you don't seem to be pleased that he's there. This was a guy allied with him and also a bad guy. Killing him wasn't like, oh, and I got rid of the last of the good guys. I guess the idea was that you were gonna tie him down and convince him to be a good guy again. I don't even know. Uh, but this Marzan whatever. guy gets mentioned by everybody. He's in the opening crawl, like when that narrator's just like, and Marzan joined him in being a rebellious blah, blah, blah. And then his kid is going to be like the the extra lead at the, in the last 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, he's definitely the uh, slash fic ship that 100% everyone who writes fanfic about this puts him with Aragon. Yeah, absolutely. Because we, we get a kid, I, I, and he just pops up, and he's like, hey, I'm also in the movie. I have a bow. That's my animality. Cool, huh? And and when they finally get to the Varden camp, they're like, arrest him. He is the son of Marzan. And he's like, uh, like how? one, how did you know? <laughs> and two, why do you give a shit? Yeah, and he's just like, but I fucking hate my dad, though. Why? I, I don't even... Let me help you guys fight. And they're like, no, ye must be arrested. I, Damon Hansu, have spoken. Yeah. Also, fucking this kid, straight up for, I don't know why, but really reminds me of Christian Slater in Prince of Thieves. <laughs> like, so much. Well, yeah, because he got... showed up and I was like, what the fuck is Will Scarlet doing well, yeah, here? Because he's got 90s hair. He's like, everybody else in the movie is bleak and dressed in either brown or armor. Those are your two options, brown or ugly armor. And then here comes this kid. And he's kid. a Molgoth. Yeah, he shows up as a Molgoth with a longbow and his hair in his face. And you're like, oh, okay. It's Christian Slater in Prince of Thieves. <laughs> uh, uh. This, right around this point, we get the scene that I mentioned earlier with the dream that gets sent to 
Aragon. He's like, I have to go rescue that fucking princess. I have to do it now. And they're like, well, you- I don't think you understand. There was a girl and I'm 16 and I think she was down with it. <laughs> and Brom's like, there's no way that she did that. She wouldn't send that. She'd prefer to die than have you show up where she is. She's with the guards. Like, she's the one who stole that egg and wanted to get it out so there would be someone that could fight Galbatorix. That someone is you. If you go in there, you are going against every wish that she has. And he's like, yeah, but what if fuck you and I do what I want? Yeah, what if I do that? And so, indeed, she he does. And immediately, like, he finds her in this tower. Oh, and Brom's like, I'm not going with you then. Screw this. But, of course, he's going to show up and help. But... We, we, so we go to this fucking tower. He immediately finds her in there, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing here, you absolute moron? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Why are you here? And he's like, but you, you, you told me to come here. He's like, no, I didn't. That was a trap from a wizard. And then the wizard shows up, and he's like, ha ha, dummy. But I carried this heavy printer all the way here. <laughs> Milady. So Robert Carlyle shows up, and I, again, I can't stress enough how... Robert Carlyle, you may not, you may know who I keep saying his name. He's the especially mean one in train spotting, and he's the star of the Fullmont. And he's Rumpelstiltskin. And if he is anything but a, a put upon Scottish or British laborer, he looks ridiculous and embarrassing. In this movie, they've given him long hair and a bunch of face tattoos and messy teeth, and he looks ridiculous. I mean, he just looks like Rumpelstiltskin without the gold skin. I'll be honest, I never saw Rumpelstiltskin, so I'm taking your word for it on that. Oh, this is from the, uh, the like, ABC, all of the Disney stuff happens in one area. Oh, right. I, I vaguely remember that that existed. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, it, I cannot remember the name of it. All I remember is that he was Rumpelstiltskin and was one of the only very good parts about that show. I, bl- I remember that it had a fairly boring name. So I think it was either, like, Once Upon or Once Upon a Time or Fable. One of those. I mean, it wouldn't be Fable because it was very clearly just... We wanted to make Fables, the comic book, into a TV show, couldn't, and then did this instead. <laughs> yeah. It uh, looks like it was called Once Upon a Time. There we go. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, this is where we learned that he is almost invincible, this evil wizard. You see, uh, if unless he gets pierced in the heart, he will always reconstitute. And we learned this because there's a scene where Aragon holding dead or dying Brom in his arms, because Brom jumps in front of a spear that was aimed at Aragon, uh, takes Ar- Brom's magic sword and just hucks it at this guy, like, really badly. Like, underhand pitch hucks a sword at this guy. <laughs> and I mean, he also shoots an arrow into Durza's head, and that's the next. just like, all right. <laughs> that's the that's the next thing that happens. What he, he throws the sword, Durza smacks it away, and he's like, you'll have to do better than that. And then an arrow hits him in the head. And the thing is... Yeah, you would have to do much better than just throwing a sword at a guy, because this ain't Lady Hawk, and you can't just huck a sword at a dude and plan on it working. Yeah, so luckily the arrow to the head does dissipate him for a while, but it won't kill him, and now it's time for for Jeremy Irons to get a way too long of a death scene. Ah, yes. Brom gets to die and give some last bit of exposition about you need to stab a shade in the heart because I guess that's where they keep all their cool stuff. And also, you need to get to the Varden and please stop being a goddamn moron like you have for this entire movie. Please take my magic sword. I have to tell you, I once met a boy who was just a real piece of shit, absolutely useless with a sword. 
Awful. Wait, his name was Aragon. Yes, that's me. I know. I know who you are. <laughs> Shit boy. <laughs> but gi- gives him the magic sword, because why not heap more treasures on this child? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he has to get the magic sword that his father used before him. Right. He tries to cast a spell of healing, but just to add a little insult to all the injury, he's far too weak of a spellcaster to save the bo- the, the, the life of... Uh, Brom, and eventually his dragon, Safira, pops up and it's just like, oh, for God's sake, just let him die with dignity already. Quit trying things. It's like, here, let him die while he's on my back. He was a dragon rider. He fucking cannot stop thinking about the days of being a dragon rider because since there's that super bond that you get between a rider and a dragon, like when his dragon died, he was just sort of fucked up by it so she's like all right he can die on my back soaring through the air we'll give him a nice moment so that he can go out and uh and we'll give him a really we'll weird give a shit about him we'll give him a really weird burial where it, it's revealed that our our uh, main dragon character cannot yet breathe fire she's too young but she can breathe ice that turns rocks into diamonds yeah i can definitely breathe crystal i guess Well, because they, they pile <laughs> rocks all over his body and then she comes up and she's like but i can do this and then she just kind of goes all over the, the the rocks and they turn into a single giant diamond encrusting our our uh former hero brom but it's not even like the rocks turn into diamond it's like diamond covers the rocks that were already there well, no, they become see-through you can see brom now he wasn't visible before but now he's clearly in there so she has turn rocks to die to turn pile of rocks into one big diamond the breath weapon and you'd think that would actually be a very useful breath weapon or you know something you would get later because it would be harder to be like i have breath that turns rocks to diamonds rather than just hot breath yeah but no and she's never going to do that again. So despite the potential myriad of applications I could think of for take a rock and breathe on it. And it's a diamond now. Uh, she didn't, she didn't feel like doing that anymore. Oh yeah. Especially later when they get to the, uh, the Varden and all the bad guys have tracked them there. That fight at the very end has so many problems that I have with it. Jesus Christ. Well, why don't we get to it? Because there's not much to it now. Brom dies right as Arya joins the party. So now he's got Arya with him instead. Uh, the two the two of them make their way to a river uh, where they're supposed to meet some Varden. But along the way, they they come under attack and are rescued by Molgoth boy. Uh, Martin, Marta or something like that. Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Molgoth boy rescues them and is like, may I come with you? I'm a big fan. And I'm also want to fight the bad guys. And we've got a very interesting bond. <laughs> Roran. Hi, I'm, I'm also here. His name is Roran and he is in the movie for about seven minutes. Uh, so Roran rescues him, introduces himself, quickly takes the place of the new best friend because Arya's is boring. And then the two of them jump into a waterfall together in slow motion, because that's how you get to the Varden camp. I absolutely love when Molgoth shows up because there was a poison that Durza put in Arya that was like, oh, and it's just sort of magic activated and I'll activate it now. And so as she's like passing out from being poisoned, she touches Aragon's head and gives him a vision of how to find the Varden, but it's just a bunch of like flashes of places and then immediately afterward, Marlgoth shows up and goes, oh, I know how to get there. Just follow me. That that entire vision you got was pointless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, 
now they're in this camp, and now it's time to beat six more characters that might matter in the future, but certainly never will. Oh, yeah, six more characters that are definitely either more important in the book or more important in the sequel, and also they are here to tell you how great and important you are. So now the core ones are, Damon Hansu is the leader of, I, I don't remember his fucking name, who cares? He's the leader- Oh, his name is a jihad. Ah, uh, Christ, god damn it. Well, a jihad welcomes them and is like, I am part of this, and I'm probably going to be important later. Arrest that boy. So, you know, uh, Ronan, Roran gets dragged off, complaining. He's like, I just want to fight the bad guys. Also, meet my chief advisor or priest or something, a Qui-Gon Jinn-looking motherfucker who will do nothing. Okay, why don't you go change? So well, Aragon goes off to change, and in comes a character who's like, hello, I am a jihad's daughter. I am also probably important, but in this movie, I've been reduced to telling you to come with me. Yep, I'm, I'm just here to show up, be like, hey, I am also a girl. Please come with me. Right, because we have to, we have to throw in a little potential romance moment where she's like, when she walks in, he's got his shirt off, and she's just like, I'm sorry, I did not know. And he's like, no. It's okay. Please gaze upon my abdominals. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I don't want to. I want you to come meet my dad. And that's uh, that's actually pretty much a wrap on the Varden at this point. I mean, yes, we're still the, the final climactic battle happens in their house, but they don't talk anymore. They're done. Oh yeah, we get a little scene with uh, Arya where she's like, "Hey, here's some armor." Uh, believe in yourself, I guess. I don't know. He's like, I've come so far from where I was a few days ago. And I was like, fuck you. Don't you think you've earned what Frodo earned? <laughs> you have learned nothing. <laughs> you've just been being handed presents the whole time. And every time you get yourself into dumb bullshit trouble and someone has to bail your ass out. You've killed like three important people. I just, I, I can't. I can't go with you on this one. I'm sorry. Uh, but the the final assault where Durs is like, let's take all these burgles and get them up in these hills. And the only way in is a couple small paths through a mountain tunnel. Mm -hmm. And while they do indeed stack some rocks up in front of it, they then also post up like 50 yards away from it instead of, say surrounding the only two like you can get one person at a time through this entrance with people with weapons and just kill them off one at a time they were like ah it'd be more fair if we just let them all stream through and then fight them yep and that's what happens also wouldn't it be useful if after they pile up rocks in the entrance they have their their local dragon turn it into a diamond wall instead yeah it'd be way harder for them to push those out of the way if it was just a wall of diamond. A single giant diamond is in the way instead of a bunch of rocks. Yeah, that would be smart. Anyway, at this point, we've had every villain threaten every other villain a thousand times. So when Durga shows up, he's he's mad and he's like, like I don't want to die at the hands of Galbatorix and I'll kill all of you if you don't kill all of them and blah, blah, blah. Obvious villain shenanigans. And then Ugh. they fight. And the only part and of the fight that fucking matters is that he makes a shadow bat to ride around on. Yep. Durza's like, here's my shadow bat. We're going to fight. And, you know, everything I've seen, I don't know why fucking Durza was at all threatened or anything by Galbatorix. Because he's just like, oh, I'm super magic and I can do anything. Like, I can literally snap my fingers and a dude's head will snap. 
Yeah. Like, I'm ultra powerful. And yet every time Galbatorix is like, oh, I'm disappointed and I'll do something to you. He's like, oh, no. Ooh, I'm scared of this guy. I assume that, that he must be immune to, not that we'll ever have to know, to Durza's evil magics. Yeah, because the reason he's a wizard is because he's got a bunch of demons possessing him or some shit. I don't remember. Yes. That's just, there's a reason for it. Anyway, they fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. Up in the sky, they fight a bunch. There's a lot of fire breathing and neck catching and talking about what... This movie has a lot of, what is that? Uh, It's a shadow magic. Can we stop it? I don't know kind of stuff where it just doesn't... It it feels like no one gives a shit. And eventually, as aforementioned, uh, he is catapulted off of his dragon's tail, is Aragon, where he stabs Durza in the heart, killing him, and then falls and wakes up in a cave. And they're like, hey, you're both alive. Hooray. The super happy ending. Well, I mean, he has to first get a redemption moment from earlier in the film where, you know, when he falls, he gets caught by uh, Safira and she's like, oh, I'm so injured. I'm going to die. And then he does healing magic and passes out. And this time his healing magic works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because Safira's CGI. So she didn't want to. It was harder for her to like argue her way out of the movie. Ah, like, oh, no, I have to be in this. <laughs> And we, again, we have our big victory. The Varden are, are, are successful. Uh, Durza is defeated. All the Urgles are gone. And we don't see any more of the Varden, though, because for whatever reason, they stash the unconscious Aragon in some cave with Roran again. Just the two of them. And when he when he wakes up, Roran's like, you won, my buddy. And your dragon's still alive, too. And he's like, well, I want to go talk to the hot girl. She left. Okay, well, I guess I'll fly over there on my dragon. Also, I think Roran is his cousin. Oh, is that it? I think Murtaugh is the uh, the the Malgoth. Oh, okay. My bad. I've got my two characters confused. Then uh, it's okay. Everyone looks alike in this. Yeah, I would have I would have guessed it the other way. But but what are you gonna do? Uh, anyway, the now he flies out to meet Arya, who has uh, clearly tried to sneak away from this annoying kid because she just fucking leaves, going back to her oh, yeah. her kingdom. And she is dressed like Native American Princess Leia. Yep. As soon as I saw her, I was like, what is <laughs> happening right now? I mean, she kind of looks like they were trying to do a live action gold moon from the Dragonlance series. Kinda? Because she's it's basically like, imagine the white dress from Princess Leia in A New Hope. With fur all now, over it. Now give it like a fur necklace and put some fucking feathers in her hair. Yeah. Oh, and also, not just the white dress from Princess Leia, but also the whitest lady you've ever heard of. Oh. Uh, and there you go. That's that's what we're seeing here is, like, she gets dressed up in, in Native American Princess Leia and starts riding. And basically, he catches up to her and is, is like, hey, uh, I guess we're on the same side now in an important war. You want to, like, date or whatever? And she's like, uh, no, but I will see you again, I guess. And then they fly she's off. Like, I got to go back to the elves. I'll, uh... I'll see ya. <laughs> and then they fly off and part ways, and that's where the movie ends. Oh, well, no, well the almost. movie yeah, really yeah. ends All right, when fine. we get to see Galbatorix get angry, and we see his big black dragon. Gets, so we don't even get a line from Malkovich here. He just goes, Nyah! and slices a curtain that's behind him in half with a sword, and then behind the curtain, so I guess the curtain was just hanging midway through the room, 
is a big black dragon that was I, I was just waiting with its nose like two inches from this curtain all the time. It's weird because what he sliced is this map that he kept pointing to and being like, oh, and there's, you know, uh, these people over here and you got to go there and Durza, don't you fail me. And I'm like, was the dragon hanging out behind this map the entire time? Like, was he just chilling there? <laughs> also, this up. room doesn't seem very big. Was he just cramped in here? Yeah. The room is like a garage, and he's sitting in like the three feet before the door of the garage because the dragon's like completely squished into the rest of it. <laughs> but yeah, we get this one Ugh. brief shot of a of a r- big black dragon, and then the black dragon goes and, and belches fire all over, and you're like, wait, wasn't wasn't Galbatorix right there? Okay, whatever. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Who fucking cares? <laughs> uh, and then at the very end, we get Avril Lavigne with our <laughs> main song for the movie. Uh, that's true. Yeah, we do. Yep. The keep holding on song from Avril Lavigne was, I did not know this, composed for this film. <laughs> it is the film's theme song. I did not even know that was Avril Lavigne. I I basically did the thing where when the credits started, I grabbed the uh, the slider on the bottom of my monitor and slid over to see if there were post credits I needed to know about. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was done. Uh, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> so there you go. This was trash. Nothing. It, I, I and I can't. I, the the problem is through a podcast medium, I cannot convey how shoddy all of this looks. Oh yeah, every like directorial decision in this made it feel so amateurish and cheaply made the actors were either good actors who were very sad to be here or awful actors that were given too much to do yeah and the uses the liberal use of slow motion to convey importance is always a bad thing when you see it in a a movie where they can't think of anything better to do. But in this movie, it's used for stuff like, let's jump into a waterfall. Yay. Oh, slow down. Woo, we're in the sky. Yeah. Just like I said at the beginning, if this had a bit more of an orange tint and some grain to it, I would have been like, yeah, this clearly came out like the same year as Beastmaster, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, I was guessing it was around 2002. 2006 is not that far off, but uh, I, I I figured that the only way that this movie could exist if it had been filmed before Dungeons and Dragons and they pulled it off a shelf, because otherwise Jeremy Irons would have been like, nope, learned my lesson. Thank you. Nope. He very much did not. <laughs> and in fact, he sold Malkovich on it. Maybe he's like a pyramid scheme of bad movies kind of guy. Ah, now I've got Malkovich, on, Malkovich in my downstream. <laughs> Malkovich makes uh, a movie, Jeremy Irons gets a piece. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Okay, you know what? Let's let's do our wrap-up. Let's do the best and worst. Jeff, what was the best thing in the movie? Uh, uh, I mean, I didn't like the costuming. I didn't like any of the characters or the story or any of the special effects. Uh, I get... Mm. Mm. I'm going to say mm. Jeremy Irons' performance, I guess? He, he he was believably put upon and angry. Yeah. Given that his character was, you have to deal with the shitbag teenager, he definitely seemed like he was dealing with a shitbag teenager. Yeah, just consistently and thoroughly. And I, I, I felt for him, but at least I was watching an actor I kind of like do, do good acting. I mean, I mean, kind of like, because I think he's gotten all politically shitty, too. Ah. But what about you? 
Uh, I mean, probably the Avril Lavigne song, if I'm honest. <laughs> That's very honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, Keep Holding On. I mean, it's a pretty decent song. It became a single for her. It was on an, an album that she used later. Like, good job saving what <laughs> that song was from the clutches of Aragon. I kind of wish that she had, instead of just uh, changed her, her biggest song to Dragon Boy. Uh. <laughs> that would have made me happy. Uh, a little happier than generic pop song that i didn't recognize oh, but that's, that's good. fine that's fair that's fair it's a fair choice so what was the worst thing in this and remember you only get to pick one <laughs> it was everything every single thing no i was gonna I, I don't know if this counts as one thing but i was gonna say the cavalcade of introductions of characters that will never matter i mean i did absolutely love that about halfway through when you realize like Oh, they're really just trying to set up a sequel. This isn't going to come back in this movie, is it? That cousin's not going to be a thing. Uh, Devon Honsu's not going to be a thing. None of these people are going to be a thing. <laughs> Shit, Murtaugh is barely a thing in this. He's like, let me show you the way. Oh, no, prison. Yeah. Oh, I, I came back to help. Oh, I, I needed your help. Oh, the end. So there was... Yeah, there's a lot of characters that are just sort of like, Hello, I am here. Goodbye. <laughs> Watch for me in a future film. Purchase my action figure now while we don't know what parts to include with it because I didn't do anything. Ah. So that's what I'm going to say my least favorite thing is, is uh, just the nonstop parade of characters that presumably are important in the books, but never do anything at all. Great. Interestingly, that's also my least favorite thing about The Hobbit, when they were like, here's these 13 dwarves, and they're not interesting, so we're going to make up a sexy elf to talk about instead. Uh, <laughs> what about you? Oh, Lord. I think worst thing for me. Oh, man, that's rough. I I kind of want to go with even I kind of hate the made up fantasy bullshit names for things a lot. I know. But, I know. You know, I can I can deal with it most of the time. But when no one can clearly pronounce anything to that the point where I'm like, it's Bazinga and Burgles. And I don't know what anyone's name is. It's, it was so bad. I'm, I'm like, these are stupid bullshit names. You need to be able to tell me what they are. Because if you've replaced, you know, orcs with urgles, I need to know what they're called. Right. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, the fact that the movie has an Arya and a Braum that are both very important characters was kind of troubling to me. I know that Game of Thrones wasn't like a going concern in 2006, but it's just weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a, a special little detail for you. Yeah. The director of this, I think, also did some stuff with Game of Thrones. Oh, obviously. That makes perfect sense. He was used to working with Brahms and Arias. And, exactly. And dragons they that you don't like, need oh, to see sure. that much of. Don't worry about it. <laughs> CGI dragons and Arias and Brahms? Get on in here, you scam. Mm -hmm. How about a character who deserves the dragons because they found the egg? That's definitely, oh, yeah. Excellent. Get, make sure that's worked into the plot. Yeah, absolutely. God, I hate, I mean, honestly, Aragon himself is probably the worst thing. In. He is just the worst, best example of the handed everything and still whiny about it main character. Oh God, it is, he is intolerable and I, I don't wish to tolerate him. And therefore, I shan't. Indeed, I shall not. All right, well, there you have it. Yeah. Oh, wait, we got to do a rating Great. or whatever, don't we? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're each going to give this a rating from zero to five, which will give the movie a rating out of ten. Jeff, what do you got for me? Uh, I'm going to give this an additional minus point five for every time I paused it because I couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> 
which actually would give it like a negative two. So I'm going to give it a point five and call it a day. It is technically a movie, but I fucking hated it. So point five. Great. You? Uh, I'll give it a one. It was just bad all around, but still technically, I guess, better than a point five in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I probably just hated this more than you did. I mean, probably, yeah. I kind of hated this, but in a bemused way that gives it another point five. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I... So one and a half out of ten for Aragon. Oh, for God's sake. The fact that this made its money back is crazy. Right? I guess the people who liked it the most was France. Ah, well, there you have it. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Maybe Aragon means something else in French that I just don't know. Maybe. Like it means, it, but it just like... means like porn or something. And everyone's like, ooh, Aragon, let us go and see. Yeah, the uh, the domestic box office was like seventy five million out of the two hundred and fifty million it made worldwide. Oh boy. Okay. Well, it had a seventy percent drop from week one to week two. <laughs> Man, this thing was rough. This was a rough movie. It it just felt like it was out of its place. Like it felt like it had been made at least uh, at least seven years earlier, and probably more than that. Yeah, it was just so much wrong with it, and. Honestly, I feel like the story it came from, even if, like, a competent group had gotten a hold of it and gave a shit, it still probably wouldn't have been great, because it's just some real hot, trash, derivative garbage. Yeah, yeah. I would I would go ahead and suggest a hard pass on this one. God, there is a point in this movie at the beginning where there is straight up the Luke Skywalker Tatooine two sons scene, where Aragon is like, oh this life of mine, and he's just standing there on his farm while the sun is going down in the exact same shot. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This movie has a lot of uh, very obvious Star Wars in it. There's also a lot of, hey, you remember when in the Lord of the Rings they went, like, across the top of that, like, hill? Oh, in that yeah. that cool shot? Let's try and do that, too. Let's just do the same shots as Lord of the Rings. Whatever. Lots of sweeping vistas. Yeah, I mean, I know that during this shot, we're supposed to be saying that these two characters are trying to keep out of sight as much as possible because they're being pursued by the evil wizard and the bad guys. But let's just have them up at the top of a hill as clear as day. Yeah, right. Well, man, am I ever mad about having had to see this. And the worst part, John, is that you also made me watch two episodes of Smallville that both sucked. That's right. If you join our Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery, you at the $5 level can continue to hear the torture that is me making Jeff watch Smallville Season 1. Uh. We are this close to being done, though, and I promise the next thing we do is going to be slightly less torturous for you. <laughs> That's not a very hard promise to make. I know, it's a very low bar to clear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's over at patreon.com slash systemmastery at the $5 level unlocks that, but it unlocks so much more. You get like five to seven other podcasts every month as well as those. Yeah, the $5 level unlocks everything that we do, so you get all the bonus content for all of our shows, plus our monthly show, plus access to our exclusive rooms in the Discord for only the subscribers. It is a hell of a deal, and it helps support the show and keeps us doing what we're doing. Sure does. All right, well, I guess that's probably about enough from us, huh? Yep. All right, we will see you in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery, and until then... 
You have a good one.